Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. invasion of Ukraine. And tonight, more bombings, more air raid sirens continue to hover and basically pierce the night sky in Ukraine. It could be another very dangerous and deadly weekend. Also reports in Mariupol, which is that town that continues to get pummeled. Remember the story, of course, of that terrible strike that happened in that location. We're literally at the theater where, indeed, they targeted, it said, children outside. It said specifically there are children in the building. That was in Mariupol, where it was the building where they said children are physically in that building, along with women and also others who are taking shelter. And now we are finding out from the Ukrainian government that they believe more than 300 people were killed inside that strike, inside that building, when the Russians leveled it, despite the warning saying that there are kids inside Definitely the Russians are upping the ante. And here is some reaction of how things are going. And this is one of the Ukrainian members of parliament saying that some cities are literally leveled almost to the ground thanks to Russian airstrikes. Take a listen. In Sumy, Kharkiv, and especially Izum, you know, Kharkiv region, Izum crashed to the ground uh, town. And you are right that from Mariupol and all other uh, towns, uh, Russians are taken by force, our citizens, and, uh, 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 you know, deliver them uh, to Russia. So um, that's also, uh, of course, not according to Geneva Convention and then uh, yeah. so war crimes. It is a war crime. And by the way, we have a powerful show tonight. You definitely want to stay with us tonight here on the Rita Cosby Show, because coming up in just about 10 minutes or so, we are going to have America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. Uh, He is going to be joining us to talk about Biden's handling or lack thereof of this crisis. My goodness, a huge gaffe today. And we're going to talk about that in a second, because This guy is a gaffe machine. Remember, he said, oh, if there's, quote, a minor incursion, well, then maybe we might not do anything with Russia. Boy, was that a political mistake and a very costly mistake as well. And then he made the comments, remember, about chemical weapons, saying if they do chemical weapons, well, we will basically respond in kind. And now the White House is going, "Uh uh-uh, no, 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 no. We're not going to be doing chemical weapons. It's like clean up in aisle seven. Well, today he may have even used an even more catastrophic phrasing, basically saying to U.S. troops that are in Poland that, you know what, you may soon be in Ukraine. What? 
Are you kidding me? So is he telling the truth or is he just can't doesn't even know what he's saying? And boy, is that a dangerous gaffe either way. Is he telegraphing? Is that what's really going to be happening? Is he planning to say, okay, eventually you guys are going to be in Ukraine. We haven't told anybody in the world yet, but we're planning to send you in. Is that what he means? Or do you think he just misspoke and has no clue what he said? I definitely want to get your take on that because that is a catastrophic mistake. And listen, he's an elderly guy. He clearly is not as quick-witted as he used to be, but these comments are outright dangerous. And as soon as I heard him say this, I thought, this is really scary. We are now at the point where we have the president who really doesn't even know what he's saying. The White House has to continuously clear it up. Or is he speaking the truth? Like sometimes, you know, you have an old relative who kind of comes to like a dinner restaurant, you know, and says, God, this stuff tastes terrible. And we all know it tastes terrible, but you don't really want to be telling the the owner of the restaurant that or you don't want to be telling the servers that. But yet, yeah, that re- that old, you know, friend or old relative who says, oh, God, this stinks. So is he just becoming like an old guy whose comments are just incredibly, incredibly transparent And if so, does that mean that there might be U.S. boots on the ground? Is that what he's trying to say? I mean, this is frightening. Now, I am really, really scared. Before, I thought, oh, you know, maybe some of his comments are a little laughable. Yeah, he's kind of like fumbly, bumbly, whatever, you know. Now it's like this is downright scary that he does not understand what he is saying is either so that he should not be saying it out loud, B, it's outright wrong, And see, he doesn't even seem to realize what he says is wrong. He just kind of keeps talking. It's like, hi, I'm here. And he's the leader of the free world, guys. Boy, are we in big time trouble. What do you think? It's 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And this comes at a time where so many people in the world are very concerned where this is headed because the stakes could not be higher as we are looking at what's happening over in Ukraine. I want to play, this is a comment again also from that member of parliament, because there are now reports that suddenly several thousand kids are missing. There was that report earlier in the week. It was like 2,400 kids are suddenly missing from Mariupol and some other places. So where did they take them? What, is, what are the Russians planning? Are they going to kill them? Are they using them for hostages? Are they using them for human trafficking? I mean, there's so many horrible things you could think about. Why would they take such a huge batch of children specifically? And now this is a really frightening story. Ukraine is accusing Moscow of forcibly taking hundreds of thousands of civilians from shattered Ukrainian cities to Russia, where some may be used as hostages to pressure Kiev to give up. There's a report, and it's from one of Ukraine's sort of spokespeople, saying that they have reports and information that 402,000 people, including 84,000 children, that's a huge number, have been taken to Russia. Now, by the way, Russia is saying that they have identical, about the same amount of numbers, so that's interesting. They're basically confirming the numbers, and they're saying for it's for those people who have chosen to be relocated. You think they really chose to be relocated? 
Or do you think that they are planning something catastrophic or to use them as bartering tools? How crazy and how twisted is Vladimir Putin that now, according to reports, there are some 400,000 people that have, quote, relocated, according to Ukrainians, forcibly relocated. And what are the Russians planning to do with them? What do you think is in store? This is really, really frightening. And this uh, member of parliament from Ukraine talked a little bit about these sort of forced relocations. Take a listen. We are really very concerned what is going on on the south of the country. I mean, Mariupol, Berdyansk, Militopol. Unfortunately, um, Russians started, you know, to, uh, again, to abduct it. Uh, people for, uh, you know, Kherson, uh, who is bravely like encircled, but uh, people almost every day, they're providing the protest that Ukraine is, that Kherson is, Mariup- is a Ukraine and the flags. And for example, our party member, uh, um, Dmitro Afanasyev, he was abducted and uh, yesterday and nobody knows where is he. I mean, he wow. just disappeared. Nobody knows where they went. You think they were voluntarily relocating? Well, here's a little bit. So here's Joe Biden. It's coming at a time where the stakes are so high, and he is meeting with U.S. troops. And, of course, at a time where we're hearing that hundreds of thousands of them have relocated by force, according to the Ukrainians, and including tons of children being taken, apparently, from Ukraine. The stakes could not be higher, and he is talking to U.S. troops, and the first thing he talks about is how great the pizza is. Take a listen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, uh, uh, and you're finished eating or you're just starting? They're just starting eating. They're doing a little closer. Well, if you're starting eating, I'm going to sit down and have some eating. Is that all right? Yeah. We got the pizza. Pizza. Uh, <laughs> there you go. There he is talking about pizza. Hey, oh boy, that pizza looks good. Let's sit down and is it pepperoni or meat lovers, you know? I mean, give me a break. This is not like uh, Domino's anniversary. He is there literally on the border in Zsezha, Poland, right there on the border. And then he says what could be one of the most catastrophic comments that he has ever made. Take a listen. Here is Joe Biden telling U.S. troops, and these are the 82nd Airborne, the best of the best. These are the guys who go in when there could be warfare and a major incursion. It's not like, you know, these are, uh, you know, people with construction with the military. There's so many different layers on the military. These guys are the guys who are usually part of the invasion force. And take a listen. He basically says, you guys are going to find out, you know, the the courage and, and the guts of the Ukrainian people when you get there. When you get there, what? We are sending U.S. troops in? Take a listen. And you're going to see when you're there, and some of you have been there, you're going to see, you're going to see women, young people standing, standing in the middle of front of a damn tank, just saying, I'm not leaving. I'm holding my ground. They're incredible. And you just heard him say, you know what? We need to know that basically, you know, are you going in or not, Mr. President? What are you saying? Are you saying that, yes, they're planning to send them in? Are you planning to maybe send them in? Was that a gaffe or was that a total, total mistake on your part? Oh, gosh, I slipped. You can't slip on something like that. Something is serious 
as when you get into Ukraine, when we basically send troops there, in other words, you're going to find out X at a time where he has been saying, and all of NATO, that they're not sending any boots on the ground. You cannot have a more serious gaffe other than him basically saying, hey, if it's a minor incursion, maybe we won't really do anything. To me, this is outrageous. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tom in Bergen Beach. Tom, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Go ahead, Tom. Hi, good evening, Rita. Um, I'm, an, I'm an Iraqi veteran, and i got to say, uh, I really get a sense of pride because of the loyalty and the honor and the duty of the Ukrainian people. This is a horrific, extremely brutal war. And this is the reason Ukraine is fighting, not just for Ukraine and its people, but for the world to see how brutal Putin and his army can be. And remember, the world is watching right now, you know, and, and we need to react and, and hold them responsible. So what uh, should we be, do? Hey, Tom, yeah. great points. What should we do? You know, I'm not 100 percent sure. As a, as, a, as a veteran, I don't want to see anybody go to war. Oops, I just lost you there, Tom. Call back. Sorry about that. We'll we'll get you back on. Let's go to JC in Pennsylvania, who's on line two. Go ahead, JC. Hey, Rita, how are you? I'm good, JC. JC, come a little closer to the phone. You're a little off mic. Go ahead. So, so uh, first of all, Biden has no idea what he's talking about. No, he, he doesn't know that the troops are not going in. Uh, Kamala Harris doesn't know that Ukraine's not in NATO. It's such an embarrassment. He's at the NATO meeting. He's talking. He's laughing. It's such a serious situation all around. And it's just so complicated because there's more to it than meets the eyes. Okay? Our government is not, they're not, they're not virgins either. There's so much corruption that we've caused the Biden administration, the Clintons, the Obama in, in Ukraine. It is so multifaceted. That we're not going to be able to figure out what the heck happened for 20 years there. Yes, okay? sadly. You're, uh, you know what? You are right. There are so many layers of corruption and so many unanswered questions that it may take a long time. Great, great point, JC. Absolutely. And when we come back, we're going to talk with Rudy Giuliani to get his take on this dangerous gaffe from President Biden. Was it truth serum? Is that his plans or is that his wish? Or was that just a horrible mistake that could be a catastrophic from a world political perspective? What are your thoughts, everybody, and how dangerous is the big gaffe machine that is our president, Joe Biden? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani after the break. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Well, I'm wondering if our president was actually high, not high or love, because, boy, when he was in Poland, and he continues to be, by the way, he's going to be giving an address tomorrow in the building. It's the it's the royal palace there, 
And it's where my father fought. My father was defending that palace in World War II in Warsaw. So tomorrow, the president of the United States is going to be speaking at that royal palace there in Old Town. I know it all too well. I've been there and actually did a speech myself inside there a number of years ago, but very sentimental to me because my father was defending it when he was fighting against the Nazis in World War II as a citizen soldier. And so my family, we understand the stakes of war. And we also understand when you have a leader, a commander in chief that says something that is so kooky and so crazy. And that's what is happening right now with our president, President Biden. He's there meeting with the 82nd Airborne. This is the great fighting force of America. Them and the 101st are usually the guys who go in, of course, the SEALs and everybody else. And here he is meeting with them. And he basically says, hey, guys, get ready because You may be in Ukraine soon. Take a listen to this verbal gaffe, one of many, from our president. And boy, is this a dangerous one. Take a listen. And you're going to see when you're there, some of you have been there, you're going to see, you're going to see women, young people standing standing in the middle of front of a damn tank, just saying, I'm not leaving. I'm holding my ground. They're incredible. So basically, get ready. You'll see the courage, basically, of the Ukrainian people. And I agree, they are courageous. When you get to Ukraine, why are you saying that? You're saying it to the best fighting force in the world, and everyone's going, wait, 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 are we sending U.S. troops to Ukraine? That's what Biden said. And once again, the White House is trying to clean up on aisle seven from this babbling president. And joining us now to talk about all of this is America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. Rudy, thanks for being here on a Friday night. We love having you on. You know, it's always a pleasure, Rita. Thank you so much. Love you, Rudy. And and what do you make of the fact that here is the president of the United States. You understand this. Here he is in Poland. You and I both know Poland well. He's sitting there. He's in front of the 82nd Airborne. They're right at the border there. That's that town. That's the major town right at the border. They're the fighting force. And he says, you're going to basically see the courage of the Ukrainian people when you get there. In other words, we're going to be sending you there. And people are like, whoa, 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 wait, is he announcing boots on the ground, basically, or accidentally announcing it? How do you make it? And boy, is that a dangerous gaffe, no matter where it's coming from. Uh, If you've ever been at war or about to go into war and the commander tells you, you know, tomorrow or the next day we're going to invade, right? That's probably the most nerve-wracking night of your life. I don't care how brave you are, whoever you are, you know you may not come back. What did he say to them? Those men that heard that are saying to themselves, what did that moron just say to us when you're there? Well, there refers to Ukraine. For three months, he's been telling us he's not going to send boots on the ground. Now he's saying, when you're there. I don't know how they interpret that. What do they think tonight? That tomorrow they're going to be in Ukraine fighting it out with the Russians? Or they're going to be in Poland not fighting it out with the Russians? You cannot leave an army in indecision. I wrote a book on leadership 20 years ago. And I think this man has probably violated every rule that I wrote. 
he he is without any doubt a disaster he is a danger to the national security of the united states he's a pure danger to our troops he's already gotten some of them killed like in afghanistan I don't know how much longer we can tolerate this. This man belongs uh, easily in a nursing home. Maybe, maybe I, I actually believe, as you know, he belongs in a federal prison that has nursing homes, by the way. But to say this to troops and for the, and for the American media not to go absolutely crazy to put our fighting men in indecision as to whether they're going to be in battle tomorrow or the next day or the next day or the next day is horrendous. I, I, I cannot remember an American president or an American general ever saying, we, 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 may, be, we may be invading Japan, but maybe not tomorrow. Yeah, can you imagine? Yeah, just like you said, Rudy, that is an unbelievable. It's Rudy, do me a favor. Stay with us, if you could, Rudy. We're going to just go to a quick commercial break. Can you stay for a few more minutes? Yeah, I'll, I'll try to start figuring it out. I mean, I, I wow. Yeah, wow. You, got, you have a few more minutes to think about it. <laughs> stay with Ooh. us, Rudy, if you could. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. More with Rudy Giuliani uh, saying that, boy, President Biden is a danger to the security of the United States. I'll tell you, this is scary. The fact that he can't even figure out, are we sending troops? Are we not sending troops? What a gaffe machine, a dangerous one. More with Rudy after the break. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, Three East Helena, Montana police officers were given life-saving awards this week for their incredible efforts. It happened on March 15th when the incident happened, where the officers responded to a call for an unresponsive man who wasn't breathing. Three of the cops came upon Jesse Lee's significant other performing chest compressions on the unresponsive Jesse Lee at the time. The officers then proceeded to initiate CPR, alternating chest compressions, and they hooked up a defibrillator. Then ambulance staff arrived about eight minutes after that. Mr. Lee was then taken to a hospital, and he survived the ordeal. Doctors saying much in part due to the officers' quick training and action to save his life. Bravo, and what a great, great story about the important role our men and women in blue do all the time, every day, literally all around the country. Well, we are talking about these crazy comments coming from President Biden, a series that he's been doing of late. And boy, this one, the stakes could not be higher. Now he is telling the 82nd Airborne, he's there in Poland, right on the border, and he's right there where these are the folks who are basically bracing. They're protecting NATO because they're in Poland, which is a NATO country, but it's right there on the border of Ukraine and saying, you know what? Here's what's going to happen when you go into Ukraine. It's like, whoa, 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 wait. Did the president just say that you're going into Ukraine, that you're actually going to be boots on the ground? That is a far cry from anything he has said before on this. Take a listen. Here is him talking just a few days ago saying, you know what, 
there won't be any U.S. boots on the ground. This is, again, very different from what he said just a few hours ago. Take a listen. We're going to continue to stand together with our allies in Europe and send unmistakable message. We'll defend every single inch of NATO territory with the full might of the united and galvanized NATO. We will not fight a war against Russia in Ukraine. Direct confrontation between NATO and Russia is World War III, something we must strive to prevent. But we already know Putin's war against Ukraine will never be a victory. He hoped to dominate Ukraine without a fight. He failed. He hoped to fracture European resolve. He failed. He hoped to weaken the transatlantic alliance. He failed. He hoped to split apart American democracies in terms of our positions. He failed. The American people are united. The world is united. And we stand with the people of Ukraine. No, we will not basically be in there. And that's a far cry from what he said a few hours ago. Take a listen. Here is Biden talking to the great 82nd Airborne. And you're going to see when you're there, some of you have been there, you're going to see, you're going to see women, young people standing, standing in the middle of the front of the damn tank, just saying, I'm not leaving. I'm holding my ground. They're incredible. So when you go there, you're going to see the courage of the Ukrainian people. Let's bring back America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. Rudy, you know, every time I hear it, I, I'm trying to figure out, Rudy, and I feel like I, I maybe I need a psychologist or something because I'm sitting here trying to, or an interpreter, I'm trying to figure out, is this what he's thinking is going to happen, what he thinks should happen? Or is this like just he doesn't know what he's saying and doesn't realize what he's saying? I mean, either way, it's a terrible gaffe. But what do you think is, do you think this is what he really means, Rudy? Well, this is what every fair honest and non-brainwashed person in the United States knows. Our president is always been the dumbest man in Congress. The dumbest man in his law school class. He's stupid. Number two, he's suffering from an illness, a significant dementia. If you can't figure that out, you're either lying to yourself or you're a brainwashed Democrat. To say such contradictory things within 48 hours about something that is a matter of life and death indicates that he is incapable of being president of the United States. I mean, he might he might not he might not know the difference between a red button and a green button. Yeah, boy, is that scary. This is not this is not a joke. This is not funny. This is the cause of an avaricious, crooked Democrat Party. They all know he's demented. His crooked family knows he's demented. Do you think at home he makes any sense? You think at the dinner table he makes any sense? Of course he doesn't. He doesn't make any sense ever. Right. You're seeing Jill Pullman do it. And by the way, I want to play this also, Rudy, because this this is, by the way, the stakes are clearly high on this one. I mean, they could not be higher. Tell me what Jill is all about. If she's letting this demented man be president of the United States, how about the rest of his family that knows that this country of over 300 million people is being led by a sick man? Do these people love America or do they love the millions and millions of dollars, according to Hunter Biden, they have made for 30 years selling his oath of office? 
This is a crooked family. And boy, is it a confused message, too, Rudy, because that's what's scary to me is who knows what he's saying. You know what I mean? Like you just said, I mean, there's obviously all those questions, um, you know, related to the Hunter Biden thing. There's still a lot of unanswered questions there. Um, And then here we go where he's going to the stakes couldn't be higher, you know, and the seriousness couldn't be higher. And it seems like on all the issues related in particular to this war, he's been all over the place. Same thing with, remember, even in Afghanistan, you brought up Afghanistan. I think about in Afghanistan, in that case, remember, he said, you won't see, you know, um, American officials being airlifted from the embassy. You know, you won't see the Taliban aren't going to take over like, you know, like overnight or anything like that. I mean, boy, he's been wrong on just like as Bob Gates said on basically every foreign policy decision. Like to me, it's like it's hard to believe anything he says. And then here is him saying about sanctions. I want to get your reaction to this, Rudy. Um, Here is Joe Biden earlier this week when asked, you know, by a reporter, and boy, he can't handle the heat either. Here's a basic question from a reporter saying, you know, Mr. President, what you have done so far has not worked. Um, you know, are you going to change the course, not do sanctions? Because clearly it's not suading Putin. Um, and here is an exchange with a reporter asking him about sanctions, saying, you know, your sanctions basically haven't worked. And here's his response. Sir, deterrence didn't work. What makes you think Vladimir Putin will alter course based on the action you've taken today? Let's get something straight. You remember, if you covered me from the very beginning, I did not say that, in fact, the sanctions would deter him. Sanctions never deter. You keep talking about that. Sanctions never deter. The maintenance of sanctions, the maintenance of sanctions, the increasing the pain and the demonstration why I asked for this NATO meeting today is to be sure that after a month, we will sustain what we're doing, not just next month, the following month, but for the remainder of this entire year. That's what will stop him. Oh, that's totally moronic. I know. Isn't that unbelievable? So why are you doing I mean, that, sanctions? That, 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 why? That could, uttered, that could be uttered by a man in a nursing home who has lost all of his brain. I mean, why did, why did sanctions work for four years under Trump? Explain to me why Putin never took an inch of Ukraine under Trump. But when he saw the weakness of Bush and he saw the weakness of Obama and he saw the incredible incompetence of Biden, he took parts of Georgia, a big chunk of Ukraine under Obama, and now he wants to take the whole darn country. How come it worked under Trump? You know why? Because Putin evaluated Bush, he evaluated Obama, and he evaluated Biden as weaklings who would never, ever stand up to him. What do you mean sanctions don't work? My goodness. And you know what it also says, Rudy, too, is then why would you do them? Like, even if you take him at his word, Rudy, that's the thing that's incredible. If he is saying, oh, we never did sanctions to work then why the heck would you ever do sanctions? I mean, to me, that is such a, in so many levels, it is a level of incompetence. And by the way, I want to play this. This is Kamala Harris, who just recently said something very different than the president. Take a listen. The purpose of the sanctions has always been and continues to be deterrence. But let's also recognize 
the unique nature of the sanctions that we have outlined. These are some of the greatest sanctions, if not the, the, the strongest, that we've ever issued. As I articulated yesterday, it, it is directed at institutions, in particular financial institutions and individuals, and it will exact absolute harm for the Russian economy and their government. Well, first off, that clearly didn't happen. It didn't work. But he can't even keep it straight within his own administration, Rudy. It's like, you know, one hand, Rudy Giuliani, he says they don't work. And then she's saying, oh, they do work. It's like, how can you believe anybody in that administration in a leadership position? I mean, I hate to say this. uh, Not only are they basically anti-American, I mean, they just hate America, but they really are stupid. A little, little Red Lionhood said for five weeks, oh, we're not going to impose the sanctions now because we're going to impose the deterrence if Russia invades. Well, of course, once they invade, it's no longer a deterrent, idiot. You want to deter an invasion. You deter an invasion with sanctions. Also, the thing that really destroyed him, and I have no doubt, I I really believe I understand Putin. I've met him. I've read all about him. I've studied him. Putin was not sure he was going to invade Ukraine. He Remember, he waited two months. He built up the troops very slowly. And for those two months, Biden acted like a sniveling coward. Oh, we'll never put troops in. No, no troops. No boots on the ground. Oh, no, no. No fly zone. No confrontation with Russia. No World War III. After Putin heard that for the 50th time, Putin, who was a very evil but brilliant man, said, man, I got an open field here on this guy. I don't know what I have here, but this was a gift by the American people to Russia. Yeah, I, I, by the way, I agree with you, Rudy. Hey, before I let you go, Rudy Giuliani, you met with Putin. Just curious, what were your, you just talked about sort of a brilliant but evil man. Um, knowing, having met him, what do you think he's going to do now? What are your thoughts, first of all, in terms of, as you said, do you think he's going to go full throttle and try to take over all of Ukraine? And do you think he'll stop at Ukraine? What are your thoughts having met him? Well, I mean, the the, the uh, brilliant Although he is, you know, Napoleon was brilliant also, and Hitler was brilliant and evil, but they made mistakes. He made a mistake. Uh, What he expected was the same thing was going to happen now as happened in 2014. He was going to come in. He was going to take the disputed territories. He he was going to take Crimea, and that was it. Well, America did nothing to help. But the Ukrainian people who have gotten a taste of freedom, are are pretty much fighting him to a draw. He did not expect that. So now he's got to figure out how does he come out with some kind of victory? He could negotiate something or he could try to level the country. I don't know which he's going to decide. Uh, I have no idea. But, I mean, we have told him, despite Biden's uh, whatever the hell he said today, we've told him we're not going to put troops in there. So he's got free reign inside of Ukraine as long as he doesn't hit Poland. So for him to level Kiev, it wouldn't shock me. 
uh, he wouldn't be the first tyrant to do that. Or maybe he could make a deal if Zelensky were willing and take one third of Ukraine. Now, do you think Zelensky is willing to do that? It doesn't sound like he is, but maybe he might as this drags on. God, it's a terrible decision, isn't it? So you you certainly don't want to give up any of your country. You you also don't want to see another 500,000 or a million of your people die. But he could easily kill another million Ukrainians. Yeah. Uh, it's scary. Yeah, By the yeah. way, Rudy, I don't know if you saw this report before I let you go. Um, Moscow, there's a report saying that Moscow has forcibly taken 400,000 Ukrainians to Russia. Um, and the the Russians are saying, oh, they've relocated. Um, but oh, others right. are saying they're forcibly relocated. That's a frightening number. Yeah, they'll, they'll be relocated in Siberia. Exactly. Exactly. And used, I think, as hostages or prisoners or whatever work, you know, work camps. It's frightening, Rudy. My original view of Putin when I met him in October of 2001, very charming, very smart, and a stone-cold killer. He reminded me of people, you know, that I prosecuted, uh, Nazis, organized criminals. I prosecuted one guy that killed 13 people. He had that same look in his eyes. I don't know how Bush ever came up with somehow he saw his soul. I saw his soul, too. It was black. I mean, wow. The guy, is a, the guy is a killer. It doesn't mean you can't negotiate with him. But you got to be a Trump or a Reagan to negotiate with him. They're, they're probably the only two presidents in the last 50 years that were at his level, at his level of connivance for good reasons and negotiating skill. I mean, Trump's negotiating skill is clearly superior to Putin. This whole idea where the stupid American press says he calls him brilliant. He calls him brilliant to suck him in the same way he puts his arm around the the little fat boy in North Korea. He basically owns that guy. Right. No, absolutely. And look, I I understand, and you do too, you know, we both have known Trump for a long time, and that's his language. And you're right. I, and look, even some of the polls, many of the polls are all showing, Rudy, that it would not have happened under President Trump. And that's even coming from Democrats and independents are also saying that too. And I think a lot of people now are going, oh my gosh, these are the results of a fumbling, bubbling president who is now in office who can't even keep his, you know, whether we're having boots on the ground or not. Um, what a contrast, you know, of clarity and style. It's frightening. Rudy, thank you. I love you, and I'm so glad you could join us on a Friday night. It's beautiful to have you here, my friend. I'll tell you a few of the things that Trump said to him, suggesting to him that, he just maybe, just maybe he might have to go to war with him. Wow. Is this Putin or is this uh, North Korea? Putin. Putin, yeah. I, by the way, I am not surprised because tough guys need to have tough language back at them. Or if not, the bully pushes you around. And that's what we're yeah. seeing. Rudy, thank you. Love you. And have a great Friday night. Thank you for being with us. Great show. Thank great show. Oh. Great show.
Thank you. It's great to have a great guest on like you, my friend. Have a great Friday night, the rest of it. Thank you. And everybody, when we come back, we're going to take your calls. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. What do you make? I totally agree with Rudy. He is totally taking advantage. I'm talking about Putin. The weakness of Joe Biden. And now we are seeing a president who can't keep it straight, whether he's going to have boots on the ground in Ukraine. You talk to the 82nd Airborne and you, quote, misspeak? Or is he telling the truth that that's what he's planning to do? Either way, what a disaster and what a danger. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show on this Friday night, just talking to my buddy Rudy Giuliani here, who is giving his perspective. By the way, it was really interesting to also hear about his thoughts about meeting with Putin. He had met with Putin, he said, the first time, I think he said 2001, but around that time, said evil, cold, calculating. He looked into him and basically said, this guy has like a black soul, like a dark soul. There was no, you know, no warmth or no, you know, kindness about it. And that he said is evil and calculating. Very interesting. And also describing what he says is a danger to the security of the United States. And he's talking about our president because our president keeps making these bumbly, fumbly comments that are really disastrous to our national security. I mean, he has been wrong. First of all, think about it in Afghanistan. Oh, yeah, they're not going to be airlifted. Yes, they were. Oh, we're not going to have to, um, you know, it's not going to be a quick fall. The Afghan fighters are going to be able to ward off the Taliban uh, for a long, long time. Boy, they fell like cheap suits. You know, I mean, they didn't have any support from the U.S. That's why they fell. You know, we left them high and dry. You know, so you got that. They didn't even tell them, remember? And they and then they uh, the Taliban lets out the uh you know, the whole prison system, remember, they left that huge with the worst of the worst. Then we leave them with $83 billion worth of military. Can you imagine had we moved that military that we left for the Taliban for God knows why? Why didn't we take it with us for one? Can you imagine if we brought it over to Ukraine now? Just think about the impact that that kind of military hardware would have right now as Zelensky and his people are pleading for their lives. Boy, has this president been all over the place and now making a comment to the great 82nd Airborne as he's there at the border. He's in Poland and he makes a comment that, hey, you're going to find out how you know courageous the people are in Ukraine when you get there. People are going, wait, 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 wait. are we sending boots on the ground? This is unbelievable. And then the White House is like, oh, no, 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 no. He misspoke. I mean, how many times do you have to correct our president for, quote, misspeaking? Boy, is this scary stuff, guys. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tom, who's on line two. Tom, I'm sorry, you got cut off earlier. Go ahead, Tom. That's all right. Evening again. Rudy's a tough act to follow. I'll tell you that. Uh, yes, he is. He, he, see, he's, he's a great warm-up act for you, Tom. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, he, I, he's my go-out of cheats, you know what I mean? Yep, he um, is. <laughs> yeah. uh, you were talking about uh, bullies before, you know, and this is, my father said, sometimes you got to punch a bully in the nose. So that was one thing I wanted to say. But about Ukraine and going back, I, I just hope that Ukraine and Russia will come to an agreement soon before the, uh, this escalates to even more, you know? I do, too. Uh, It's so scary, Tom. You know, when you see these reports, and one of the things I was just talking to Rudy about, as you guys heard, 
that Moscow has forcibly taken 400,000 Ukrainians to Russia. I mean, when I hear that, I go, oh, my gosh. You know, I think this is just unbelievable. And how scary. And what does he have in store for 400,000 Ukrainians, including of that group, 84,000 children? Why? What kind of monster takes 84,000 children, takes them to Russia, quote, for relocation. That's a scary, scary thing. When we come back, we're going to talk more about this. How concerned are you that President Biden is a big gaff fumble machine? And now we're talking about things as sensitive as boots on the ground and chemical weapons. Scary stuff. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And tonight here on the Rita Cosby Show, air raid sirens continue to pierce the sky there in Ukraine. And some stunning numbers about the brutality of the Russian war machine. Just getting word that the World Health Organization is saying that as of about a day or two ago, they were able to keep track of over 70 different attacks on civilian areas including hospitals, ambulances, and also doctors in Ukraine, saying that hospitals are increasingly being the target on a daily basis. Think about the ruthlessness of the Russian war machine, that they are intentionally targeting hospitals. They're intentionally targeting schools. They are intentionally targeting bread lines. They're intentionally targeting shelters. And in fact, we're getting word that in that theater that was struck in Mariupol, that was the one that was being used as a bomb shelter, where it was believed to be about 1,300 civilians were using the bomb shelter, that now they believe the Ukrainians, after a number of people who amazingly survived that, some got out, that they believe at least 300 people were killed in that single strike alone. And things are really getting brutal. In fact, in Mariupol, for example, there are reports that people are starving to death, that they have blocked off the lines. They have blocked off any aid. The humanitarian convoys trying to come in are being shot at or being blocked from entering. So they're not able to get food. They have been without water. They have been without electricity. And the Russians basically saying that this is a template. This is the beginning of our first phase of the war. And basically saying, gosh, look at the great success, which is so disgusting of what they're saying as it happened in Mariupol and saying that's what's going to happen to the rest of Ukraine. They are ruthless. They are brutal. And they have indeed no soul and no morals. It's unbelievable to hear what is going on. So I want to hear from you tonight because the one-month anniversary just passed yesterday, and it doesn't look like there is any end in sight, and which is a really sad thing for the Ukrainian people because so many of their cities are under siege. Also reports tonight, too, that many new mercenaries are coming in who are with these hit squads trying to look for President Zelensky. 
he is, of course, target number one and that the Kremlin has hired all these different hit squads that are sort of expert assassins, if you will. And their target is to try to get President Vladimir Zelensky, who keeps speaking out every day. Think about the courage and the guts of this guy. Talk about the whole world. The worst of the worst is trying to locate this guy. The world is cheering for him. Vladimir Putin hates that. And now Zelensky continues to rebuff him and go out and talk to his people and saying, come on out, keep fighting. We will not surrender no matter what they try to do to Mariupol and all these other cities. And in fact, there are also reports that they are now mobilizing the Russians reinforcements. That is not a good sign. On one hand, that's a good sign because it shows that clearly some of their troops have been taking a battering. And that's good. It means that they need reinforcements. So on one hand, that's a good thing. On the other hand, it means that there could be more strong boots on the ground coming in. And there are reports tonight that reinforcements may be coming from Russian-occupied parts of Georgia, the country of Georgia, and that they are needed to bring in basically after Russian setbacks. But it means that they are still trying to continue their takeover of this democratic country. Well, here is a Ukrainian talking about how devastating things are, particularly in that town of Mariupol, which I just said to you has no heat, has no water, has no electricity. Think about how scary this is wintertime. I mean, this is cold right now. I've been to I've been to Ukraine. I've been to Poland. It's a very cold time right now of year. And can you imagine not being able to get food? You have no lights. You have no electricity. You have no heat. And they are literally starving. And this is what the Russians have done to them. Take a listen. This is one Ukrainian describing how the situation is there on the ground. They destroyed uh, 15 years of my past. <laughs> Everything I know, uh, my school, my university, all the uh, you know central buildings uh, in, in the city. And all my neighborhood is totally destroyed. It was like 130,000 people. And uh, it's not possible to restore it. And in general, like 80% of buildings are or destroyed or uh, hardly damaged and cannot be uh, restored. And uh, we have to build a new Mariupol from scratch after we will kick out uh, Russians out of there. Wow. We have to build a new Mariupol from scratch. In other words, the Russians have leveled 80 to 90%, other stories saying 90% of the city. That it is so bad, the damage is so bad that basically just level the city after all this. They basically have already done that and they would have to rebuild anew. How scary is that? Think about the damage. And in fact, if you look at some of the satellite images that I've seen in the last few days, I looked at like what it was before and after. You know how sometimes you see in a, in a book, hey, this is a tourism book. And it looks like this beautiful city in the port, you know, full of life vibrant, a gorgeous old European city, really beautiful. And then if you look at it today on satellites, it is all rubble. That's hospitals, that's that theater that we talked about, that's shopping malls, it's schools. Those are the targets that the Russians have been hitting. And this is the way General Jack Keane describes the situation. Jack Keane says, this is not where they're going to stop. They're not going to stop on that sort of coastline area where they now have a lot of control, the Russians. He believes that now they are going to continue inward toward Kiev. Take a listen. They have not given up on their overall objectives and certainly to also take Kiev down and topple this government. And the reason 
I'm saying that is because all the indications are still there. The troops are still there. They're still resupplying those troops. They're reinforcing those troops. And at some point, they're going to attempt to make that encirclement of Kyiv again and bring that artillery down so they can do to that capital city what they have successfully been able to do to Mariupol, which is create a, an ungodly human catastrophe, certainly. It is creating an ungodly situation, as you just heard. And in the middle of all this, Vladimir Zelensky is touting some great success. There's some great stories, too. On the other side, there are reports, including one from Vladimir Zelensky himself, who's like, too bad. I don't care if the assassins are looking at me. I don't care what's happened. I'm getting out there. And he has just come out and said that, according to their work, they believe at least 13,000 Russians have been killed. That's great to hear. And, in fact, NATO was saying anywhere from 13 to 15,000 have been killed and that maybe 40,000 have either been killed, injured, or taken hostage. So it looks like the Ukrainians are definitely making some pretty good stayed and some pretty good accomplishments. That's amazing. And also, Putin now losing his fifth general, a top commander who bragged that the war against Ukraine would be over in a few hours. He made a very famous statement that when the Russians went in, oh, it's only going to take a few hours to level Ukraine. They're going to submit to us, no problem. Well, that guy is now dust, I'm happy to say, because now he becomes the fifth commander. He was this commander of the Army's 49th Combined Arms Division of the Russian Army, and he becomes the fifth general to be killed after being taken out Uh, by the Ukrainian armed forces in a strike. Bravo, bravo, Ukrainian forces. So everybody, where do you see this battle now going? How brutal do you think it's going to get? And are you concerned that it could go to the next level? And where do you see, this has been a month, do you see Putin digging in for the long haul? I actually do, sadly. I wish I could say otherwise. But I think right now his reputation, he feels, is on the line. He heard from these generals saying, oh, we'll be able to take over Ukraine in a few hours. And others were saying, oh, it's only going to take three days to take over Kiev. Here we are a month later, and the Ukrainians are fighting like lions. And here is General Keith Kellogg giving basically a description of how he sees things right now. Take a listen. And they're on their heels because nobody thought Ukraine could do what they're doing. I mean, let's be candid about it. I can't find a single military expert that even thought they'd do what they're doing right now. And they do. They have them on their, on their heels. Let's finish the job. And I think they can do it. And if I was Zelensky, first of all, I'd put about a battalion around him because the reason they're doing so well is Zelensky's alive. He's the modern-day Churchill. Uh, We've got to keep him going out there. But I wouldn't, if I was Zelensky, I wouldn't give an inch of territory. I would tell the Russians, you, you may not leave, but you are going to be facing an unconventional warfare environment that will make Afghanistan look like child's play. Wow. I love Keith Kellogg. He just tells it like it is. You will make Afghanistan look like child's play. By the way, apparently, according to these numbers, everybody, these numbers of 13,000, if you believe that those are correct. And again, everybody's trying to do their best estimate. Russians say it was a lot less than that. But if it wasn't correct, uh, indeed correct, that is 13,000, that would be about what they lost the whole time in Afghanistan. So this would be an incredible victory for the Ukrainian forces if they're able to have that much of a devastating blow to the Russians in just one month. Because remember, the Russians were in Afghanistan for years. So if they have taken as many losses as they took over the whole time in Afghanistan, 
in one month in Ukraine. I say bravo to the Ukrainian forces. And Keith Kellogg, the general, went one step further. He said that basically this is a moment and Ukraine could meet the moment. Take a listen. Let's give Ukraine a chance to win this. And why? Because that will reset the entire world, not just Europe, because the Chinese will take it to pay attention to this. The North Koreans will pay attention to this. The Iranians will pay attention to this. So it's, I believe you have a chance, probably once in a lifetime, to reset the stage, because I think the Russians are on their heels. He thinks the Russians are on their heels. Wow, what a very, very strong statement coming from Keith Kellogg. And also him saying that he thinks they have a chance to win it, that they have a chance to actually turn things around. Can you imagine if Putin really gets pushed out of Ukraine, takes enormous losses, gets shunned in his home country, and suddenly has to spend the rest of his days in The Hague on war crimes? Boy, think about the impact that that would have for the world, for the free world, in a great, great way, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Kevin in New Jersey. Kevin, this is Rita Cosby. Go ahead. Hi, my friend Rita. I'm the Kevin in New Jersey who you dated in high school. Ah. And we both have <laughs> I remember when you called. I remember when you called, Kev. How could I forget I that? How could I forget that again. smooth voice? Oh, thank you. You're so kind. Hey, you know, I still have your uh, high school ring you gave me, and I kiss it every night to wish you well. It looks like it's working. What about all the roses that I sent you and the chocolate, too, Kev? What about that? I love them. I love them. You you know I love chocolate. <laughs> I of course I do. I know that firsthand, Kev. Of course I do. Now, Kevin, since we're since we're talking about uh beautiful things like like love, do you think there could be some peace in Ukraine, uh which could be much more difficult uh solving than our relationship? <laughs> well, there 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 might be some peace in Ukraine and I want to tell you I listened to that special session you hosted on Wednesday. And you did a remarkable job. Oh, you know what? Thank you. It was so powerful to hear from the Ukrainian consul uh, general to the United States and him saying, you know, one of the things I think of, um, Kev, to the people who maybe didn't hear it, um, and we did it We did it live. And in fact, by the way, we also taped it. We're going to put it up next week, everybody. And I'll tell you when we put it up, we're going to put it up on either Monday or Tuesday. I'll let you guys know, and I'll put it up on my social media as well. Um, but we had uh, the consul general from Ukraine, from Poland, Adrian Kubitsky, who's, who's also a great patriot, too. Also, um, we had on uh, from Estonia and Slovakia. And um, they all were talking about their support of Ukraine. And one of the most moving things, Kev, was from the Ukrainian consul who said that he's got a son in Kiev. And every day he calls and is like praying that the son answers the phone. You know, it's just he said it's just it is so scary. But he also said, similar to sort of what we just heard from Keith Kellogg, he basically said, we will win. I said, do you think so? He said, we will. Like he's there was not a gray. It was we will win. And it's that sort of warrior spirit and that determination of the Ukrainian people because they know their futures on the line. The country, their country's future is literally on the line. And there was no gray. It wasn't like he was just, he really is like, we will win and we have to win. There was no gray. Um, and Kev, you know, that is that spirit that clearly Putin is definitely 
um, in the position now where he seems to surely have underestimated the Ukrainians, don't you think? Yes, absolutely. Well, I, 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 I had to call in because I was moved by uh, America's mayor's emotions. Uh, and I feel as astonished and bewildered as, as Rudy. And in fact, he and I met at a uh, business conference, and I'm sure he'd remember me. But listen, Rita, mark my words, Biden's continued gaffes will cost American lives. I've met many soldiers and cadets at West Point, and they are very serious and respectful, top-notch soldiers. They're not bumbling idiots like their commander-in-chief. In fact, when you ask why they chose West Point, they all say, I want to serve my country, sir. Yet our commander-in-chief acts like he's at a third-grade lunch. You know, it's just disgusting. No duty, honor, country from Biden. Yeah, and right? he's and, and, and the fumbling and bumbling is scary, Kevin, especially. That part, you know, when you have a president, the commander-in-chief, sitting there talking to the great 82nd Airborne, they are right there at the border. Literally, that's like the major border town that's right near Ukraine. And he's sitting there talking to them and saying, you know what, you may go, you know, when you go to Ukraine, it's like, what, are you kidding me? You know, Rudy had a a great line when he said when soldiers are told that, you know, that every day they're like, are we going in? Are we not going in? What are we doing? They're told they're not going in. It's a very different sentiment when they think they're there just kind of protecting Poland, which is a very important role, and also there for helping refugees and other things. And then suddenly you got your commander in chief on, you know, one of the biggest visits ever visiting you. And saying, well, when you go into Ukraine, and now they're supposed to go, well, gosh, are we going into Ukraine? Are we not? I mean, it, that that is scary stuff that you have to have a White House that is apparently, quote, fixing the president's, quote, misstatements. Uh, I mean, that it is frightening, frightening stuff. Kevin, thank you very much. Love the call and have a great, great weekend. And enjoy the chocolate and the roses from me. Thank you very much. We're going to be right back, everybody. Continue with your calls. Biden fumbling and bumbling, saying to the U.S. troops, when you go into Ukraine, is he really planning on sending troops? Is he like lying to all of us when he said, you know, we're never going to send boots on the ground. We're never going to do this. Is he preparing? Or was that, again, another horrible misstatement that the White House has to fix? Either way, boy, is this a disaster. And where do you think things are headed in Ukraine now that we pass the one-month mark? 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show. That is my uh, song to Kevin, the last caller who just called in, who gets my roses and my uh, chocolate and everything else. Um, but we are talking about how crazy President Biden is that he's like, when you get to Ukraine, to U.S. troops, it's like, whoa, 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 wait, we're setting boots on the ground on something as serious as that. That is absolutely crazy. And of course, They are all over the place. If you are a foreign adversary right now, like Putin and China and Iran, they're going, boy, this whole team is a bunch of pushovers. Remember, this is how Kamala Harris described the war by Russia on Ukraine, basically as if we're all in kindergarten. Take a listen. So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to a 
another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically, that's wrong. Basically, that's wrong. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I could pull like somebody out of first grade and they'd go, could you please be a little more mature, Madam Vice President? Doesn't give you a lot of assurance between cackles. And then you also have, of course, the laughing. That was the last time in Poland. And then you got Biden saying, basically, when do you get to Ukraine? God, the foreign adversaries are going. These guys are pushovers. Let's go to Trisha in Connecticut. Trisha, you're calling on line seven. Your thoughts. Rita, I totally agree with Rudy that uh, Biden is the stupidest senator and also president we've ever had. He's also so lazy and corrupt. I don't think he could have done anything else other than politics, other than be some kind of a con man. But um, with the current issue, um, what he's he's so befuddled. He, he he like you say, he could be totally unaware of what he's saying, but he's so unprincipled also that I don't discount his willingness to put our men and women in harm's way if he thinks it's to his political advantage. And if I could just make one more comment yeah, real about quick, the, the real quick, Trish. Of, of, of Russian Or actually, do me, do me a favor, Trish. We just have a hard, uh, hard break right here. Stay with us, and I'll continue with you after the break, because we're just going to take a quick break. We're going to continue with Trisha and also more of your calls. And Trisha, I agree. It's like does he mean it? Does he not mean it? We're not sure. Stay with us, Trisha, and everybody also our support our heroes after the break. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, I love doing this segment every night, you guys, where we honor our great men and women in uniform. And a beautiful story coming out of Glendale, Arizona, where amid the roar of jets taking off and landing at Luke Air Force Base, members of the Arizona chapter of the Tuskegee Airmen gathered for Arizona's ninth annual Tuskegee Airmen Commemoration Day. This year's celebration honored the late Brigadier General Charles McGee, who I had the honor to meet. I had the honor to introduce him at an event years ago. What an amazing hero. And he was one of the fabled black aviators of the Tuskegee Airmen of the Army Air Corps during World War II. And Charles died on January 16th of this year at age 102. Robert McGee, his son, told the crowd that he is so proud of his father's achievements and the impact that he made, which continues to be shared through celebrations like the one that took place just yesterday at Luke Air Force Base in Arizona. A handful of Tuskegee Airmen and other World War II veterans also were honored at this great celebration. Now, before World War II, the U.S. military was segregated. But in 1941, black volunteers were allowed to train and fly at Tuskegee Army Airfield in Alabama. Now, during the war, these aviators escorted bombers and boasted one of the lowest loss records of bomber escorting units at the time. And by the way, the fourth Thursday in March was designated as Tuskegee Airmen Commemoration Day, again, Tuskegee Airmen Commemoration Day, by then Arizona Governor Jan Brewer, 
in 2013 and how beautiful that they were recognizing Charles McGee. And I met him probably about 10 years ago, and he was sharp as a tack. And to hear his stories and what he went through was just amazing and so inspiring and how beautiful that his son was there to uh, be able to honor his dad and to be able to honor a great American hero. Well, we are talking because today President Biden was talking to other great American heroes, the 82nd Airborne that was right there at the border of Ukraine. Now, by the way, I want to hear from you. Do you think President Biden should have walked into Ukraine as a symbol of unity with Ukraine? He was literally right there at the border. Zhezhev, which is where he was, he was at a place called the G2A Arena. I know that area well. It's a big, huge old arena there. And that is where basically the 82nd Airborne is is set up and protecting, you know, uh, troops in that area on the ground, refugees. But it is very close to the border of Ukraine, not that far. And remember, it wasn't that long ago when the prime minister of Poland and a couple other world leaders went into Ukraine. They took a train. Talk about guts, cojones. They took a train in the middle of the bombing and everything else and went and met with Zelensky. It was this amazing moment. Remember, it was about a week ago. But our president went there and did not go into Ukraine. These other world leaders absolutely did. And it sent a very powerful message that, A, we stand with Ukraine, B, we're not afraid of you, Putin. Not that a Putin, I think, would have bombed the train or anything like that, but you just never know in such a crazy situation like wartime. But do you think our president made a mistake by not going into Ukraine as these other world leaders did? Or is this just sort of par for the course with President Biden? Because he's always been kind of a follower since day one, since he's been in office. He hasn't really been leading the charge. So... I would have been surprised if he went into Ukraine, but I think it would have been a really powerful move, and I think it would have been a smart move, and I think it is a missed opportunity. Now, he claimed that he wanted to go and that he was told basically for security reasons, no, 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 I shouldn't go. Uh, But come on, he's the commander-in-chief. He could have looked over and said, you know what, too bad, I'm going. You know? I mean, I'm just going to put two feet in there. Remember when... President Trump met with the leader of North Korea. And remember, Rudy was just talking about that earlier in the show, Rudy Giuliani, who was with us. And he was saying, "Okay." then remember, he kind of just walked over the line in North Korea to say he walked there. He was trying to show, you know, respect to the leader that they're working on this issue together and show guts that he would put his foot in North Korea. Now, this is a time where clearly America is supporting Ukraine. You know, yeah, we don't want to put boots on the ground, even though Biden screwed up with that and pretended like maybe we are putting him on the ground with that terrible misstatement today. But don't you think it would have sent a powerful message that our president was there meeting with refugees? Can you imagine what a great image that would have been? And it would have shown a lot of courage for him. And it would have showed a lot of great will, I think, to the United States, too, to show that our president's not afraid. The president of Poland and the pre- these other leaders who went in with them not that long ago had the guts to go in. They took a train for hours upon hours and then met with Zelensky. And our president can't even put a few feet on the ground and walk in over on the border and meet with these. Imagine the shot. It would have been the best campaign ad for him for 2024. And it would have been the right thing to do. That's my personal feeling. Yeah, it might have been a little bit of a security issue, but they could have called and said, hey, guess what? POTUS of the United States, President of the United States, you know, is walking in. 
Make sure no bombs fly. I'm sure Putin would quickly get it to his Russian commanders and nobody would have hit him. Believe me. He should have walked in and he should have greeted and shook hands with refugees. Now, tomorrow he's going to be in Warsaw. He's apparently, I think, already in Warsaw. He's going to be there. He's going to be doing a speech tomorrow. And he's going to be meeting with refugees tomorrow. These are ones who came through the border from Ukraine into Poland Then they were right in the border area, and then they got up by train or flights or whatever into Warsaw, the capital, hours and hours away. But he was right there at the border, and that's going to look. It's nice that he's meeting. I'm glad he's meeting with the refugees. I think it's wonderful. It's great that they see that the American president and the world is supporting them and cheering them on. But what a missed opportunity that was. He should have absolutely have gone into Ukraine and shown support and shown some guts and shown leadership. Can you imagine what a great picture that would have been just even politically, even if he's doing it for his own political motivations? But it would have sent a message to the world that our American president is not some fumbly, bumbling dubosh that he clearly is. He can't even keep it straight whether they're going in now or not going in. You're going to when you get into Ukraine, this is what's going to happen. And he doesn't even have the guts to say, "Okay, I'm going to go into Ukraine and to show the world that I support them. That would have sent a message of strength, a message of unity. And that's what a leader does. But not this president. Meantime, they're not only doing cleanup on his comment about maybe boots on the ground in Ukraine, which is not going to happen. But maybe it is going to happen with this president. Who knows? He can't keep his story straight. And then he made this statement that the White House has had to clean up all week, too. There's been so many of these misstatements. Take a listen to how President Biden responded in the last day or so when he was asked, what is the U.S. going to do if Vladimir Putin could potentially use chemical, biological, or nuclear weapons? I mean, very serious topic. And this is the way our president answered it. Take a listen. So you've warned about the real threat of chemical weapons being used. Have you gathered specific intelligence that suggests that President Putin is deploying these weapons, moving them to position or considering their use? And would the U.S. or NATO respond with military action if he did use chemical weapons? You know, on the first question, I can't answer that. I'm not going to give you intelligence data, number one. Number two, we would respond. We would respond if he uses it. The nature of the response would depend on the nature of the use. We will respond. And everybody said, wait, 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 wait. Are we planning to maybe use chemical weapons? If they use chemical weapons, we will respond basically in kind. I mean, that's a scary misstatement. He's misstating. So the White House is like, no, 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 no. He didn't mean that. He just meant that we will respond somehow, but we're not going to use chemical weapons or anything like that. Boy, is he like a 1,000% gaff machine. 1-800-848-9222. Let's continue with Trisha in Connecticut on line seven. Go ahead, Trisha. Um, Rita, I uh, just have to say regarding your comment about he should have gone in. Yes, it would be a leader, but he, Biden has shown us from the very beginning of his presidency he is not leader. And I think he's been exposed totally to the total the whole world from not being allowed to answer questions or told who he has to call on or the disaster, the absolute fiasco in Afghanistan and on kind of a different part of the the tragedy going on. Think of all the maybe tens of thousands of soldiers, Russian soldiers that are being their lives are being thrown away and all the widows and orphans being created. 
it's just, I mean, it's abominable if you believe in the Bible and the prophecies, wars, and rumors of wars, and Gog and Magog. Um, I'm told that Gog and Magog stand for Russia, is it Russia or China, and uh, Iran. And certainly Iran is being driven into a partnership with Russia and China, and our former ally, India is even going in that direction because of the energy crisis. That I know. Biden By is. the way, you brought up India. I've been really disappointed. I mean, in India, um, and I understand that they have been reliant on Russian oil. And obviously a lot of this all goes back to the fact that our president right now made us not energy independent. We were energy independent under President Trump. And in fact, imagine, Tricia, if we were like beyond even being energy independent, that if we were a seller of energy then places like India and all these other places would not have to rely on Russia for their oil. They've had to rely on them because we haven't really given them a viable alternative. And instead, you know, Joe Biden's talking about windmills and talking about, you know, green energy. Can you imagine? You know, uh, Jen Psaki's like blowing the windmills, hoping that somehow she's going to get gas and oil that's going to keep, you know, India intact. Are you kidding me? So India is basically saying, look, we need it. Unless you can come up with a backup, we got to keep doing it. And that's the sad reality. And boy, was his green energy strategy a disaster, not just, I think, you know, for America, but for the world. And boy, I, I think very much responsible for the fact that many people are still reliant and sort of halfway in supporting, um, you know, what's happening in Ukraine because they're afraid to be cut off by Russia. I mean, it put us in a horrible position. Trisha, thank you. You're awesome. Great to have you here on the show. Let's go to Jimmy, who was on line five. Go ahead, Jimmy, on a Friday night. You know, if we have a peace deal soon, right, in Ukraine, we're going to hear then from the left how Biden scared Putin and forced him into a peace deal. I mean, this this could happen. I hope there's a peace deal, but I hope the American people are not stupid enough to believe that Biden's gaffe or whatever it was had anything to do with it. But about the Ukrainian hostages— Yeah, by, by, by the way, I don't think Putin—and I'm sad to say this, Jim, and, I, and I'll definitely get you to respond to the hostages—I don't think that Putin is scared of Joe Biden in any form. Even if he said, hey, we're going to send uh, 10,000 troops, I think Putin would kind of look like we all do and going, well, that's probably another gaffe. You know what I mean? Like, and that saddens me, Jim, because I want America to win. I want Biden to win because it means winning for the Ukraine and winning for the world. You know, I'm not anti-Biden. I'm just anti-idiots. Right. I agree with you on that. But America's enemies also would like Biden to win the next election. But about the Ukrainian, uh, the Ukrainian hostages in Russia, they might be held to force Ukraine to hand over some of the Russian maybe defectors or POWs from this uh, insurgency here. Also, in the past, the Soviets were in all these countries, Afghanistan, Somalia, every place where the Soviets were in, in the past, they've always taken children from those countries back to the Soviet Union and spent many years indoctrinating them and training them and then sending them back to their home original country to make revolution and terror. Oh, now, that's interesting. And Jim, did you are you reacting to what I was just saying at the top of this hour? Because there's a report that Moscow has forcibly taken 400,000 Ukrainians, including in that batch 84,000 children. That's a staggering number, Jimmy. Is that what you think is sort of like in some, 
indoctrination camp, or do you think they're well, going to be used as bartering for hostages? What do you think? Well, the hostages, or or maybe uh, maybe like in the past, Hitler would kill ten uh, townspeople for every one Nazi soldier shot or killed. That you know, the, the the communists don't think like we do. We think all lives are all innocent lives are viable. To a communist, there's no special thing about humans. They're not children of God. They're like matter in motion, sort of like a tire rolling down a hill. The Chinese communist leadership years ago said if half the world died in the nuclear war, it would not be such a bad thing because the new world would be communist. They think and act on a totally different level than us. And it's hard for we normal people or some of us normal people to even think like a communist. And when you're able to do that, like I think I do, that kind of makes you a little bit on the crazy side yourself. Yeah, no, but but it, but it's important to kind of get into their heads to understand where they are going and what their objectives are, too. Very interesting. Jimmy, always love your calls. Have a great, great weekend. Thank you so much. When we come back, we're going to continue with your calls. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Do you think that Joe Biden should have gone into Ukraine. He was right there at the border. He was in Poland. He's still in Poland tonight. He's going to be there tomorrow. But he was literally right there on the southern part, right there, right there, right there. Literally, all he had to do was go, I think it's like 15, 20 miles or so, not that far. I've done that drive. I can't remember how long it is, but it was a quick drive to get into the border of Ukraine. He could have gone right even to the border you know, met with those refugees that are lining up, those voluminous lines, those people who literally left with a shirt on their back. Go meet with them there as they're crossing the border. Then go into Ukraine and saying, I stand with you. Can you imagine what a powerful message that would have sent? Why did he not do it? All these other world leaders did it. But our president is fumbling and bumbling. And I think that was a tremendous mistake. Sadly, par for the course with this guy. one 800 848 And we're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show on a Friday night here. By the way, um, the latest on the war in Ukraine, um, some good news coming from the Ukrainian military that in the last 24 hours or so, they have destroyed three Russian airplanes. That's a good success. Five cruise missiles coming from them, stopping three unmanned aerial vehicles, the UAVs, and a helicopter. That's according to the Ukrainian command forces. And they say, President Zelensky, according to his reports, After one month of war from the Russians, he believes they have killed about 13,000 Russians and that many of them are wounded. And this could be a sign also that explaining basically why we know that Vladimir Putin is trying to bring in reinforcements because he has lost a lot of people. But it doesn't look like he is stopping, sadly. And here is a former special ops guy basically saying that the atrocities committed by the Russians that continue at this hour have been devastating this country and will stay in this country's history, that they are just so horrific. Take a listen. And I've seen the numbers today. Nearly 1,000 civilians, including 81 children, have been killed, more than 1,500 civilians injured. And even if the war were to end tomorrow, these Russian war crimes and destruction across the country is just, it's going to have lasting consequences. Uh, 
within the region for for the you know number of, of years and unfortunately it's very hard to determine whether or not these humanitarian corridors are really open and, and have safe passage because they might open for a couple hours but next thing you know they're being bombed by russians yeah and they are being bombed constantly i mean these people have no mercy they've been shooting people in breadline shooting rescuers who are trying to save people in the rubble this is horrible one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Christopher, who's on line eight. Christopher, you're in Vermont. Go ahead. Your thoughts about all this? Yes, uh, I'm. I, I have to confess, I'm jealous of Kevin because I've been nuts about you for over twenty years. Oh but my God, Ke- Christopher, you just professed it to the whole world. So thank you very much. Well, I, I, I just, uh, I adore you, but. But mentioning the 82nd, I'm I'm a World War II nut, and I've been going to Normandy for many, many years, and I met a, a parachutist with the 82nd, Harold Manoyan. Harold Manoyan. He parachuted into the churchyard behind the church there in Saint-Marie-Église. And by the way, I know exactly where that church is, because they actually have um uh the um a parachute is still kind of hanging there like a That's mock right. one John Steele John yes. Steele and I yes. stayed in the hotel Le Hotel Jean Steele many times in Saint Marie-Greece but I met Harold many years ago and God bless him I don't think he's with us anymore but uh I met one of the men who parachuted into Saint Marie-Greece in the wee small hours of June the 6th. Oh, lucky. And by the way, um, I went for the 75th anniversary of Normandy, and I went over there. It was my first time going, and I was there exactly where you're talking about, in Samariglis. And don't you feel, uh, don't you feel, I, I, I use the word sort of blessed, Christopher, to meet oh these heroes, I, heroes I, I living shivering. among us. I shiver. I'm shivering right now. I feel, I feel such, a, such a oneness with those people. Oh, it's amazing. And you hear the sacrifice of these men, what they did, and how pivotal it was for world history, and how they were a part of the turning point, too, of the war. Oh, um, my God. Oh, and you go to those beaches. You go, you go to Pont de Hoc. Yes. Pont de Hoc, and they went, up that, they went up that slope. That cliff. And they'd already moved the guns back. Oh. The guns had been moved back away from there, and they went up there, and they, they were slaughtered, but they, they won. They won, and they went and spiked those guns. They found them, and they spiked them. You know what? It's amazing. And, Christopher, I encourage everybody, if they have not gone to Normandy, they have to go. Because you brought up a great point. When you go there and you see how long that beach is before they even got to, you know, where where the cliff is, and they were sitting ducks, and yet they kept charging and charging because they knew the freedom of the world was at stake. And I just, you know, the, the guts of those men and how lucky are we that we had the privilege to be able to meet those great heroes that are living among us. I still know a few of the guys that were there in Normandy. Um, and in fact, um, you reminded me because maybe next week I'm going to put one of them on my show um, because there are a couple of them that are um, blessed to be still among us, you know, for us to be able to hear their stories, to learn from them and talk about the guts of our great men and women in the military. Chris, thank you for the beautiful call. What a great way to end the weekend to remind us of the best military in the world, the U.S. military. Christopher, thank you very much. Great talking to you. Great talking to all of you guys. I hope everybody has a great weekend. Pray for Ukraine, and we'll have the latest when I'm back on Monday. Have a great weekend. 
It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.